Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's Tuesday, April 25th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First, the White House announced yesterday that it will veto some bipartisan legislation that's focused on solar panels. I'm going to explain what's going on, why it is such a big deal, and how it could lead to blackouts all across America. Second, we've got two updates in the battle for the Pacific That, of course, is the fight between China and America for influence amongst those island nations in the Pacific Ocean. I'll give you the latest on who's winning that fight in the countries of Kiribati and the Solomons. Third, Chinese military scientists are working on creating a human being that isn't harmed by radiation poisoning. It involves tinkering with DNA. I've got those creepy details. Later, we close out the podcast with a question from Kristen in California. She wants to know why, in her view, there is a war on natural gas in her state. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. The White House blasted members of Congress yesterday, both Republicans and Democrats, for threatening to undo his executive action on solar panels. All right. Last summer, Mr. Biden waived tariffs on these solar panels, foreign made, upwards of 250 percent in tariffs and fees, all because he wanted to encourage consumers and utility companies to buy those panels. But a bipartisan group of congressmen are saying that that was a mistake and they want those tariffs to be reinstated. Now, this is one of those stories that might have escaped our attention because at first blush, It might seem like a very Washington, D.C. debate, maybe even a little bit boring, but I'm telling you, it is a very, very big deal. So let's talk about what's going on and why we should care. And let's start with something that we might not know, right? Over 80% of the world's solar panels are made in China. And that's because all of the bits and pieces that go into those solar panels, the, uh, the supply chain, right? All of that is based in China. The best analogy, I think, to understand this issue is it's sort of like if you're trying to bake a loaf of bread, right? The dough for solar panels is something called polysilicon or poly, right? And China makes around 85%, give or take, of the world's poly, with Russia, by the way, at a very distant second place. If we then continue with our analogy, uh, let's say we're going to cook our dough and slice up our loaf of solar bread, all right? These solar slices are things called ingots and wafers and cells. And here again, China makes 98% of the ingots, 97% of the wafers, and 81% of the cells. Right, and lastly, we get to the final product of what, well, really most of us know and see. It's the modules, right? Those are the rectangular metal contraptions that are installed on houses or on solar farms. 
And here again, China controls around 80% of the world's supply of modules. All this data, by the way, is from the U.S. Department of Energy. So as bad as all of this might be, at least from the American perspective, there is one other thing that we need to know, right? Most of that supply chain, the 80 to 97% of production in China, that actually occurs in a place called Xinjiang province, right? And that province is overwhelmingly powered by coal and slave labor, right? That last part, right? The workers who, let's say in our analogy, they, they cook and slice and dice the solar dough. Well, they're all mostly a people called the Uyghurs. And they're an ethnic minority who are imprisoned in concentration camps, all because they are hated by the Communist Party. Okay, so all of what I just said, it's established facts, right? Every government in the world knows that these are true, that these are facts about solar panels. And that's why America passed a law called the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act back in December of 2021. In fact, Joe Biden himself signed it into law. And he did so because just to be very clear, concentration camps, as history has shown us, are very bad. All right. Well, in response to this act, China's solar panel companies decided to get creative. And by that, I mean break U.S. law. According to an investigation by the U.S. Department of Commerce, many of these Chinese solar companies moved parts of their production to the countries of Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia. Or they just, you know, slapped some new fake labels on their panels saying that they were made in Vietnam, for instance, but they weren't. Now... If you thought that this cheating would make the White House very angry, in other words, that the Chinese and their companies were evading the U.S. law, well, you would be wrong. The White House wasn't angry. In fact, last June, Mr. Biden issued an executive order that allowed those cheating Chinese companies in Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia to keep selling their, well, slave solar panels to America. Okay, well, why? Well, as the White House said last June, we face a climate emergency and we need those solar panels as a, quote, bridge, end quote, until we can make more of our own. And so that's what's been happening since June. America has knowingly imported solar panels that the U.S. government believes or suspects are ultimately coming from China and their slave labor. And that, folks, is the background that you need to know for today's news. Right? The, the House of Representatives, on a bipartisan basis, passed a bill out of committee this week that would reinstitute those tariffs on those solar panels coming out of Asia and get back into compliance with the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. In other words, they're trying to undo what Joe Biden did last June because they think he was wrong. Now, the bill will be voted on by the entire House, and then it heads to the U.S. Senate for its ultimate consideration. But even if it passes the U.S. Senate, the White House announced yesterday that Mr. Biden will veto that bill. Because as he said yesterday, he wants those panels on your roofs and on our land in solar farms. Right? The, the climate emergency, he continues to argue, calls for, well, emergency measures even if that includes buying stuff made by concentration camp victims. Now, I'm going to let you decide if that is wise or good leadership, but as you consider what you think about this, I want to tell you about two other related things that are very important. First, the French media outlet AFP 
and the environmental group Greenpeace released a report this week that says that over the past three months, China has authorized more new coal plants than in all of last year, right? About 20.5 gigawatts of coal power from this January through March. Compare that, of course, to the 18.5 gigawatts from all of last year. But then again, even last year was a record breaker. A study released in February by the Global Energy Monitor said that China last year approved the largest expansion of coal-fired power plants since 2015. But this begs the question, doesn't it? Why? Why is China building out all of that coal capacity? Why, Why do they need so much electricity? Well, part of the reason is that they have so many industries that require cheap, reliable electricity, like creating the polysilicon for those solar panels. But it is also because, and listen to this, folks, Chinese consumers are buying so many electric vehicles that those cars need power from somewhere and they're running out. Bloomberg News reported last week that Chinese car buyers are snapping up so many electric vehicles that the grid there is straining to supply these cars with enough electricity. In fact, the strain is so great that according to Bloomberg News, quote, power shortages are likely to reemerge, end quote. And that is why, as Bloomberg noted, coal plants are the only immediate solution to the power crunch, right? They need more cheap, reliable coal electricity for those green electric vehicles. All right, those are the facts this morning, all stemming from the White House's threat to veto this bill on solar panels. So let's just summarize this brief. All right. And and to be clear, I'm now pivoting to my opinion and analysis. The White House wants you and America's utilities to install solar panels, right? Panels that as of this moment, they know are made by Chinese concentration camp victims and manufactured with electricity made by coal. Now, as bad or as um, counterintuitive as that might be for our climate change goals, The White House says, look, it's actually good news because we can use all that solar power to fuel our factories and buy our electric vehicles. And in turn, we are going to save the planet. Except, doggone it, as consumers buy all those electric vehicles, they got to be powered by something. And as China is admitting this morning, solar panels and wind turbines are not enough. Right? Those electric vehicles and other demands on the grid need something more reliable and cheaper. Right? They need coal. So Beijing is building a record number of coal plants, which, just to be very clear, completely negates the whole purpose of buying solar panels and electric vehicles. Right? The entire argument is predicated on that stuff saving the planet, but it's not. Anyway, More to come on this, but now I think you have a much fuller picture of this news out of the White House, threatening to veto a bill about solar panels. And I hope that you now see why this news, while at first blush, it might seem a little bit inside Washington, D.C., maybe you know a little bit boring, but really, it's an epic battle about whether or not we are going to stand up for, let's say, concentration camp victims or whether or not we're going to turn America over to China and their solar supply chain. And ultimately, folks, I think this is really about whether or not we are going to be able to keep America's lights on when the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow. Because, 
as we're seeing out of Beijing today, they're having a tough time doing it themselves. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next few minutes, so enjoy this ad-free experience, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot to international news. And we are going to keep with our theme of China this morning, at least in part, and we're going to talk about two developments abroad that you should hear. Right, the first is something related to the battle for the Pacific. Right, that's the fight here on The Right Report, where we talk about China and the United States fighting for supremacy and influence amongst the Pacific Ocean nations. Right, Nations that, as we all know, were vitally important to America during World War II and would be critical once again if Beijing and Washington were to ever wage war. So let's talk about the news that we're hearing this morning out of two island nations. And for this one, it might be helpful to grab those maps in our minds or on our phones or computers. And let's start with the Solomon Islands, right? They sit northeast of Australia and due east of a country called Papua New Guinea. Well, just weeks ago, Reuters News Service reported that the Prime Minister of the Solomon Islands, a guy with the last name of Sogovare, selected a Chinese company to upgrade an international port in his capital city. The Chinese company was the sole bidder for the project, which totals 170 million bucks for both the port and for road upgrades throughout the Solomons. So let's talk about why you should care, folks. If a war breaks out in the Pacific, one weakness that China has is a limited number of aircraft carriers, and that in turn limits how far the Chinese Navy and Air Force can operate. But if they secure relationships with these tiny island nations, in other words, if they can secure ports and airstrips, these countries become like, well, little lily pads. Beijing can hop from one country to the next, extending their range closer to, say, Hawaii and the continental United States. And that is why this news out of the Solomons is so important to all of us. Right? If China builds that infrastructure out, folks, they're going to own it one way or the other. And to underline how I know that's true, consider this. Over the past several years, Prime Minister Sogavari of the Solomons has become quite close to Beijing. In fact, oh, listen to this. He gets a $2.5 million slush fund every year from the Chinese government, which he can use for whatever purpose he would like. That's according to Reuters News Service and Australian Press. Now, what we know is that this guy has used that money to buy off members of parliament and to secure their votes to let China install a new national telephone and internet system, amongst other things. And you can bet that the spies in Beijing will use that to their benefit. All right, let's move on from the Solomons to the island country of Kiribati. And I'll tell you, this nation is remote Right, It's south of the Hawaiian Islands uh, and a little bit east, a lot bit east of even the Solomons. And you would be forgiven if you can't find the place. But nevertheless, it is super important. In fact, in the history of the world, we used to know this country or series of islands as the Gilbert Islands. As my U.S. Marines will know, that island chain was the scene of some pretty horrific and bloody fighting during World War II. In modern times, though, Kiribati and its president have moved beyond that history with the West and, in fact, have become quite close with China. In fact, that's the news that we need to talk about. 
A few weeks ago, the Australian press outlet called Perth Now reported that Kiribati has asked China to study whether it might be possible for the Chinese to upgrade an isolated airstrip on the island of Canton. Now, years ago, that was used as a military base by American and Aussie forces, but it fell into disrepair. Now, Kiribati is trying to reach out to the Chinese and say, hey, would you mind uh, fixing the joint back up? And in fact, the Chinese embassy in Kiribati has confirmed that it's actually already sent a team to explore how they might help. So here again, folks, China will happily build out that infrastructure, whether it be ports or airstrips, right? The island of Canton will serve as a very nice lily pad in the event of a war, just like that port out of the Solomons. I'll keep my eyes on these developments, folks, and keep you posted on this very important battle for the Pacific. And that actually takes us to our last brief of the morning. And I must say, this is one of the more bizarre things that I think I've ever shared with you. But I think that it shows the commitment of Beijing to win wars of the future at all costs. All right, so here's what we know. A team of military medical scientists in China said here about a week ago that they had successfully inserted a gene from a microscopic animal into human embryonic stem cells. And that gene that they chose from that tiny little animal significantly increases the ability of these human cells to resist radiation exposure. So in other words, these Chinese scientists said that by inserting this gene into human DNA, it could lead to you know, super tough soldiers who could survive nuclear fallout. And so let me give you a little bit more detail as relayed by the South China Morning Post. And let's start with this microscopic animal, right? It's called a tardigrade. As some folks call it a water bear. And I would encourage you to do an internet search for these creatures. They are just these little itsy bitsy, tiny, totally bizarre things to look at. But I'll tell you, they are tough. They can thrive at negative 350 degrees Fahrenheit, or they can thrive in boiling water. They can survive in outer space, and they can survive under the crushing conditions of deep-sea pressures. Well, as it turns out, they can also withstand the effects of radiation. And that's what attracted Chinese military scientists to this little water bear. Right? They used a gene editing tool called CRISPR to take water bear genes and insert them into human DNA. Then they exposed that human DNA through the uh, human embryonic stem cells to lethal amounts of radiation. And here's what they found. 90% of those cells survived, whereas only a handful, 2 to 5% survived without these gene edits. Plus, these uh, Chinese scientists said there were no harmful genetic mutations found in these embryonic stem cells. Now, the Chinese scientists revealed this information in a paper a couple of weeks ago. And their plan, they said, is to inject these cells, the human embryonic stuff, into people's bone marrow, soldiers' bone marrow, allowing the Chinese individuals to create, well, superhuman blood, able to withstand the radiation from, say, a nuclear bomb. So for what it's worth, some scientists in China have expressed some concerns about this experiment. One said, quote, this game will not have a happy ending, end quote. Now, they didn't say what exactly that bad ending might be, but I'm just going to take their word for it. Sounds uh, to me like the beginnings of a oh, horror movie with water bears, of all things. 
With that, my friends, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, which will be ad-free for now. And we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Kristen in California wrote in asking why, in her view, natural gas is under attack. Quote, in California, they are passing mandates to get rid of our appliances. They're also trying to ban natural gas fireplaces, which we installed after they banned wood fireplaces. So other than making us, you know, freeze to death, why are they so opposed to natural gas? End quote. All right, Kristen, great question. Let me share something that a lot of folks might not know, right? Most natural gas in the United States comes as a byproduct of when companies drill for oil, right? So let me just put some numbers to that. Let's say you look out in a uh, beautiful field, beautiful prairie of West Texas, right? And you've got 100 rigs drilling. Generally speaking, around 25 of those 100 active rigs are drilling for natural gas, while the majority, 75, are there for oil. Now, those other 75 might be producing gas too, but it's, uh, it's extra or associated gas. And oftentimes that gas is flared or burned off because it's not why the rig's there to begin with. Now, those numbers of, you know, 75 to 25, it's a little bit squishy, right? They're based on data from a couple years ago by the oil services firm Baker Hughes, and they ebb and flow depending on the market. But the general point here remains. If America wants natural gas, right, if you want that gas stove, as of this moment, we are going to have to pump oil alongside of it. And that's why some states like California and environmentalists more generally do not like it, right? Natural gas to them is a continuation of the oil and gas industry, which they want to put out of business. So that, Kristen, is a pretty big reason, I think, for why there is, in your view, fairly, I think, a war on natural gas. Because as it turns out, natural gas has a, an oily twin that people on the left just do not like. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.